Welcome again, SGO listeners, to our second part in the series on Tremetinib in the Keeping Up with the Chemo series brought to you by the SGO Education Committee, Chemotherapeutic Subcommittee. Today, we'll be talking about the administration considerations with our wonderful experts. I am Tracy Lynn Hall, a gynecologic oncologist at Baylor College of Medicine, and I am joined by... I'm Jennifer McDonald. I'm an oncology uh, clinical pharmacist at the Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston. I'm David Gershenson, a gynecologic oncologist at the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston. Hi, I'm Rebecca Porter. I'm a GYN medical oncologist at the Dana-Farber Cancer Center in Boston, Massachusetts. And I'm Christina Davis. I'm an oncology clinical pharmacist at the University of Colorado. Awesome. To get us started on this second installment, Dr. Davis, why don't you talk to us about how you counsel patients on the administration of tremetinib? Yeah, so trametinib is one medication that, unfortunately, in terms of administration, it's a little bit more difficult for patients uh, because it does have to be taken on an empty stomach. So it has to be taken at least one hour before you eat or two hours after you eat. So, you know, patients are often on a variety of different medications. Maybe some have to be with food or without food. And so kind of the timing of this can be difficult for patients. The other thing is that if a physician decides that the patient needs to dose reduce on their trametinib, the starting dose is two milligrams once a day, which comes as a two milligram tablet. But unfortunately, the next dose reduction is down to 1.5 milligrams a day, and it only comes as a 0.5 milligram tablet. So when dose Dose adjusting in terms of tablet size, sometimes that can be confusing as well for patients. They're really great points, Dr. Davis. Any storage considerations or drug interactions we need to consider when using trametinib? So in terms of storage, this again is interesting because it is a tablet that actually needs to be stored refrigerated. So it gets shipped to the patient refrigerated kind of in like a cold box. And so it has to be refrigerated at all times. And so that is one thing, again, that can affect adherence. I think sometimes patients get confused by that. And so it does have to be stored in the refrigerator. In terms of drug interactions, there are actually no drug interactions that have been identified with trametinib, which is very different than many of the other TKIs that are used in oncology. So that is one good thing is it does not have any known drug interactions. So Dr. Gershenson, when we have our patients start taking this medication, what do we need to think about for the first follow-up or the labs that are needed immediately before administration? So at baseline, we would recommend blood work with CB and chemistries. We would also recommend a baseline echocardiogram to measure ejection fraction, as well as ophthalmologic examination. Thereafter, we monitor our patients monthly. So we uh, see them once a month, and this, sometimes this can be virtual, depending on uh, the, the setting. At the, Each month, we do obtain blood work, Again, to uh, look at uh, CBC, liver functions, etc. Then we're also performing imaging approximately once every three months. So about once every three visits to monitor for uh, response or whether they have stable disease or disease progression. Uh, We do uh, recommend repeating echocardiograms every two to three months after baseline. Ophthalmologic examination would be uh, in order if a patient is complaining of blurred vision. And of course, we're continuing to monitor as best we can all of the AEs. Dr. Porter or Dr. Davis, any other pearls on initiation or things that you make sure to counsel people on when they're getting started or as they're taking their tremetinib? Um, I just echo what everyone else has said so far and, and really wanted to underscore the 
point of, you know, counseling patients in terms of adherence and, and really being able to select patients who are motivated, which many of them are to take this drug and know that it has to be done on a set schedule, you know, taken at least one hour before food or two hours after eating food and be able to, to follow that schedule. And then also really a lot of education on when and how to report some of these AEs and understanding, you know, being good communication with the team. The other thing I failed to mention was uh, we always start our patients on prophylactic skin care. And that usually begins with topical clindamycin, but also could later involve topical steroids or in some cases, doxycycline orally. So one of the mistakes I see made by many physicians who are not that familiar with trametinib is they don't start the patients on prophylactic skin care. That can really be a problem that can lead to patients discontinuing the medication very early in the course. Yeah, I agree. And I think another thing that I always mention to patients is I think most patients come into oral therapies with the understanding that it's going to be easier than like an IV chemotherapy. That's a common misconception like, oh, it's going to be, you know, less toxic because it's a pill. And so I try very early on to kind of set the expectation of really you know, what to expect in terms of side effects, even though it is oral versus maybe an IV treatment. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Dr. Gersonson, I guess, kind of from your experience and Dr. Porter and your practice, how often do you feel like you end up dose reducing patients? Would you say it's about 50%, less, more? Just off protocol and in, in following quite a few patients on Trametinib, I would say it's about 50% in our practice, but I'm sure it will vary from, from practice to practice, but that to me would be a good estimate. I would kind of agree with that assessment from what I've personally seen in our practice. Well, I think that wraps up our administration considerations. We want to thank you all for listening to part two, and we hope that you will tune in for our final installment of Trametinib regarding monitoring and follow-up, and be sure to tune in because we're going to talk about some specific toxicities and how you might be able to manage those toxicities in patients in your practice. The information presented is that of the contributing faculty and presenters and does not necessarily represent the views of the Society of Gynecologic Oncology or any named company or organization providing financial support. Specific therapies discussed may not be approved and or specified for use as indicated by the faculty or presenters. If you like what you heard today, please let us know by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and hitting the follow button wherever you're listening. If you have suggestions for future SGO On The Go podcasts, please email us directly at education at sgo.org.